just this last year, you know, I'm on social media, I keep up with the news, I just started noticing a weird pattern in the news stories I was seeing. Maybe it was just the algorithm coming after me, I don't know. But I just couldn't help it. I started just tracking this stuff because some of these news articles were just astounding to me. And this is what some of these articles were saying. These are some of the titles, some of the main content. The average American spends 101% of their income. I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, another one, 90% of Americans don't have a budget. The average consumer credit card debt is $15,000. The average American household has eight credit cards. This one blew my mind. Half of Americans would not be able to cover an unexpected $400 expense. More than half. 30% of adults have zero in savings. Another crazy one, 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 166 million people. Now, I read that and I'm like, okay, yes, absolutely, there's people struggling, times are hard, it's tight, but this is what actually blew my mind. 51% of Americans who earn six-figure salaries are living paycheck to paycheck. That's crazy. The number one cause of divorce cited on financial documents is financial irreconcilability. Did I say that right? First service, I could not get that word right. Could not get their money on the same page. Um, groceries. Has anybody bought any groceries recently? Have you noticed any differences? So what I've read is that groceries have gone up at least 12% in the last year. Have you tried buying eggs by chance in the, in recently? Every time we buy eggs, I'm like, there better be gold inside of these things. Like, what are we even doing with the groceries? At this moment, the U.S. debt is just about to cross $32 trillion. And it's expected to cross $50 trillion by the end of this decade. Now, here's the benefit they have. If they run out of money, they just get to print more. You don't get that benefit, okay? So we don't have that luxury. Now, as I was reading all these stories, I just had these thoughts where I'm like, surely it can't be this bad. Like, I understand there, there's struggle and hard times come, but come on, it can't be really like this. And then I started having conversations with people. And I was hanging out with a friend recently. He has no connection to the church. And he's about to go through a big career transition here. And he was just freaking out. Just like, Brian, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how we're going to keep up with the bills, what this is going to look like. So I don't normally do this, but he was getting just, he was vibrating so much about it. I finally said, okay, but just tell me the truth. How much money do you need? Like, truly, how much do you need to make in a year to, for you guys to make ends meet? He's like, here's the thing, Brian. This is our number. You know what the number was? Multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And I was like, you need that much to live? And he's like, well, here's the thing, man. We got the car payments. We still have school loans. We have a balance on our credit cards. I have a $200 a month Topgolf membership I have to keep up with. And as he started listening through this stuff, I'm like, okay, well, yeah. If you're going to live at that lifestyle, I'm, you probably do need that much money. Again, if you're new, you wouldn't remember this. But last fall, we did a series that we called Relationship Reset. It's all about marriage, relationships, all that stuff. And I got a chance to sit down with so many couples and truly, the number one most consistent issue that came up in these conversations was, Brian, we cannot get on the same page with our money. Like, we don't agree. We're struggling. We can't get this thing to sync up. And so I just had a moment where I'm like, oh, okay, the situation is clear. Something is really not working. Like, something is really broken. And our current approach to money is failing us. It's failing families, it's failing businesses, it's failing our country. It's just not working. 
And so that's why for just a couple weeks, this is going to be a short series, we are starting a series called Under New Management. Have you heard that term before? Now recently, um, I was out at the Orchard for Online People. This is a shopping center near our church. And I had a lunch meeting. Now, there's a particular restaurant in the orchard that is not very good. It has a reputation. I'm not going to name any names, but it is over there. And this restaurant's not great. Not a place you want to go to. And yet I had a meeting with some other pastors, and they set up the meeting at this restaurant. And I was like, well, at least I'm not paying. So, all right, I'll free food. And hanging out at this restaurant, the minute I walk in the doors, this waiter walks right up, super professional, just on his game. He's like, welcome, gentlemen. Just so you know, we are under new management. And he just goes through this whole thing. He's like, we have a new menu. We have a whole new layout. We rehabbed the entire space. And I'm telling you, it was an incredible experience. I've been there twice since that last meeting because of this new management. And the inspiration behind the series is sometimes you need new management. You need a new approach. You need fresh ideas. You need a new perspective. You need new leadership. You need a whole different way of managing the whole situation. And we, everybody, need new management when it comes to our money. Now, I have to take a second here and talk about a few disclaimers. You know, preaching is a weird job to have. This is a strange job. And I've been the lead pastor here a little over a year now. And what's funny is this last year, I have preached sermons where I have yelled at our church for 45 minutes with things like, put your pants on, stop being stupid, figure your life out, fix your marriage. I mean, I've come hard on some of these sermons. And you know what's so funny is people come up to me and they're like, Brian, thank you so much for punching me in the gut for 40 minutes about how bad I am at my life. Thank you for your work in ministry. But then a pastor will take one moment and say, hey, you need to figure out your money problems. And people go, slow your roll, pastor. You stay in your lane. Don't you start talking about stuff you shouldn't be talking about. And I've learned this is just the case because I still remember the first time somebody left this church because of me. Fun stuff, right? It was right last year. I was the new pastor. It was my third sermon. And I did a sermon on finances, which I learned very quickly is a great way to thin out a church. There were way more open seats the next week after that sermon. It was awesome. I was killing it. Um, so I'm new. And after this sermon, one of our staff come up to me. And they're like, hey, Brian, you just need to know there was a guy who was very flustered in the lobby after the service, like kind of creating a scene. And he was saying, this is why I hate the church. All they do is talk about money. All they do is they want your money. All they do is care about building up all their stuff and doing all their things. And so he just did this whole deal. And then he left. And as far as I know, we have never seen him again. And I don't know who this guy is. And what is so heartbreaking to me about that experience is I am certain there is some context between, behind that guy's response. There's a story there. And I never got a chance to hear it. And he also never got a chance to hear my heart. And so this guy left thinking again, having in his mind, this is what the church is all about. And you guys need to hear me today. If you have been at this church for any length of time, you know this is not what drives this church. Right? This is not what drives the whole pulpit. It's not the whole point. We don't rag on all this stuff. And so if you left today feeling like, oh, okay, 
this is all the same stuff as seen in the news, all the preachers and the pastors with their planes and all their things. It, truly, you're not hearing the heart on this. I want you guys to hear the heart. We as a church want to help you. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in this last year who are struggling, who are suffering when it comes to their finances, who are just one unexpected payment away from just absolute financial disaster, whose marriages are hanging on by a thread because they don't trust each other in this area and they can't get on the same page. There is real problems in people's lives when it comes to this. And so we as a church staff, myself, have just been saying, how can we help people? How can we make this as practical as we possibly can? How can we actually put tools in people's hands so they don't have to suffer under the financial burden and bondages that are going on in their lives? And so I want you guys to know, too, that I'm aware that I'm talking to a lot of different people from different places. And then I promise we'll get into the Bible. Some of us in here, you don't make a lot of money. That's just your situation. It's been your experience. And I know when you're in a, in a place where it's just tight, the only thing that goes through your mind with money is, I just need more. Like, that's going to fix all my problems. And I do know that can help, but I'm hoping you can see in this series that you can make real progress without having to double your income. I also know there's some of us here where you make a lot of money. Like, you're in a high-income industry, maybe you own a business, like, that's your situation. And the temptation when you make a lot of money is to think, I'm really good with money. And actually, making a lot of money just might be hiding some really bad financial habits. But I know there's at least three people in this church. You actually like these sermons. Like, you're geeking out right now. You're like, I love Excel. I love budgets. Brian, just bring it on. You don't even need help, but you're about to take 10 pages of notes because you just love talking about money stuff. So I'm glad you're here. All three of you are going to love this sermon so much. But true, hear me. Before we dig in, everybody, I want to see people free. I want to see people winning in this. And I don't believe God calls everybody to be massively wealthy, but I do believe that when you start bringing in God's management principles, you start seeing his provision, his protection, and just his power in your finances, it will change your life. And I want everybody in our church to have that experience. That is the heart, okay? And with that being said, I want to dig into our text today. Everything today is foundational. If you don't get today, none of the other stuff is going to help, all right? This is the launch pad for everything, and we're going to be in Matthew 25. And at this moment, Jesus is about to tell a parable, which is a story, to illustrate a greater reality. So he uses this as an illustration of just real life. So in Matthew 25, 14, this is Jesus talking. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So quick pause. Jesus just said, okay, this is how the kingdom of heaven works. What he's saying is, this is how God operates. This is actually the state of reality, whether you recognize it or not. This is what Jesus is saying. And I will add this little caveat. This parable is speaking about so much more than money. Jesus is actually talking about our entire lives and the potential eternal implications for how we manage them. But Jesus is also using finances to illustrate this, and there are some amazing principles to pull out. And what we see here just at first glance is that God is the owner. God's the owner. Did you catch that line? The master entrusted his money to his servants. 
Now, just this last week, I was just hanging out, having a nice little afternoon with my three-year-old daughter, Brindley. And we're at the kitchen table, and she's eating some veggie straws. Now, if you're a parent, you know there's a moment where your kids graduate from the puffs to the veggie straws. This is a big step in a kid's life, all right? So we're living in veggie straw territory now. And I just had a very nice moment. I said, hey, Bryn, can dad have a veggie straw? And my three-year-old daughter, in all of her God-fearing glory and confidence, said, no. These are, oh, so your kids have done this too. It's not just my kids. It feels like it's only me sometimes. Now, my daughter has done this enough times where I have learned the proper response. Because I say, girl, you better check yourself. Who drove to the store to buy those veggie straws? Whose money was it that paid for those veggie straws that you are eating right now? Oh, by the way, whose bowl are those veggie straws sitting in right now? Oh, that chair you're sitting in right now. Who bought that? This house that you're sitting in that is keeping you alive from the elements. Who bought that house? Oh, and who brought you into this world? That was actually your mother. She gets way more credit, but I helped. Um, you are mine, girl. I own you. That's how this works. And I know we're like, yeah, Brian, that's how a three-year-old acts. But if we really check ourselves, you realize this is kind of the mentality that we all have. Oh, this is my car. This is my house. This is my money. Right? And yet, the Bible says, you better check yourself. Because that ain't actually how it works. That is not the reality. That is not how the kingdom of heaven works, as Jesus is saying. Look at Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, and all who live in it. So we want to say again, my car, my house, my life, my money. And God's like, oh, check yourself. You're living in my house right now. I brought you into this world. Psalm 50, I like this one too, verse 9. This is God talking. But I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. Agricultural context, old times, translation in modern times. I don't need what's in your 401k. Are you kidding me? That is not what I need. God goes on, verse 10. For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. God's like... You think Elon Musk is rich? He's got little itty-bitty rockets. I own galaxies. You can't put your foot anywhere in the universe without stepping on God's property. You know, God has never struggled with bills. He's never had a lean year. He's never had to tighten the belt. You know, God can afford eggs right now. He's got no issues. He's got as many eggs as he wants. And even though God has no shortage of resources, he is massively wealthy. He is also very generous and very good. And again, our heart posture is often, no God, mine. Mine, 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 particularly with money. And it's understandable, right? We work hard for our money. It's hard to earn a buck these days. And so it's very tempting to be like, man, I've put so much into getting this money and God's, we have to take a moment, step back and just realize, well, hold on. Who brought us into this world? Who gave us the body that we're inhabiting? 
Who decided when and where we would grow up, the people we'd be exposed to, the opportunities we would have? And as you start looking at your entire life, you realize whatever money you do have, whatever salary you do earn, whatever assets are in your name are simply the result of a very generous, good owner. And his name is God. So, God's the owner. Let's go back to this line, though. We're going to read it again in verse 14. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So again, God's the owner. It's all his. But out of his goodness, his own generosity, he actually allows us to be entrusted with his stuff. So God's the owner, but you are the manager. It's God's money, but it is in your bank account. He's letting you take care of it. And look at how it kind of unfolds with how God does this. Verse 15. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. So we all have different amounts. God entrusts different levels of resources to people. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks, just part of reality. Verse 19, though, is where we see what happens. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. Now, I'm willing to bet probably some of us in here in this room, you actually pay somebody to manage your money. Maybe you have an advisor, you know, financial manager, all those types of things. And maybe you'll even call this person up from time to time and check in on your money, right? And we have no problems looking at a financial manager and knowing they are accountable for your money. All of it, too. You never call up your financial manager and say, hey, how's 3% of my money doing? Just, I only care about this much. You can do whatever you want with the rest. No, you're like, you're accountable to my money, guy. And you, if you had a year where the stock market was up 20% and your money was down 70%, you're finding a new manager, right? That person is fired. And what we see here is that God expects good management. We are actually accountable for what he has entrusted to us. And so this might be a little bit of the, of the tough question for us to answer, but if you were hiring someone to manage your money, would you hire you? This kid does. This kid has $7. He's going to manage his own money. He's fine. Okay? He's doing great. Truly, though, how are you doing with what's been entrusted to you? How are you doing with God's resources that are in your accounts? Now, this is not a guilt trip because... Truly, some people are more financially savvy than others. Like some of us in here, you love Excel sheets. You love geeking out on this stuff. And some of us, this is just really hard and confusing. That's not it. What we have to realize is we are all accountable. We are going to have to give an account to God, not just for our lives, but even how we've managed the resources he's entrusted to us. So God's about to take an account. And we're going to see how he responds to how these people have done with what he's given them. Look at verse 20. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. He said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. Now look at God's response. The master was full of praise. Well done. My good and faithful servant, you've been faithful in handling this small amount. Which, by the way, that was a ton of money. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Some of us in here need to be reminded, God is not just some cranky old grandpa in the sky. He's like, let's throw a party. Let's have a good time. I am happy about this. Like, God wants to lavish on some praise. 
All right? He's in a good mood a lot of times. Now let's keep going. The second servant, the servant who had received the two bags of silver, came forward and said, Master, you gave me two, and I have earned two more. Look at God's response. Pay attention to this. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Did anybody catch that? Did that sound similar? They got the exact same response from God. Total affirmation, praise, compliments. Let's celebrate together. Now what's interesting is both these guys produce different amounts. They had different amounts. They definitely had different levels of income and return. And yet God is still affirming. This is what you have to catch. It is a dangerous trap to compare your financial situation with somebody else's and use that as the measure of God's love and approval of your life. Isn't it hard, though? You look at that person who's making all the money. They have all the toys. You're like, oh, okay, God really likes them. I mean, he likes me, but he loves them. And what you see here is God is not concerned about the amount. He's concerned about the faithfulness. That's what God cares about. He's like, I know what I've entrusted you. I need you to focus on what I've entrusted to you. You're accountable for your faithful management of what's in your life. And that should set so many of us free. You're not accountable for anybody else. You're not supposed to compare. God, what have you put in my life? Now, there's a third servant, though. Let's see what happens here in verse 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. It's under the mattress. Look here. Is your money back? Now, sometimes when we're reading the Bible, I always think, what would I say if I was God in this moment? Which, thank goodness I'm not. But I think about that. And I'm thinking, okay, this guy didn't lose any money. He didn't produce anything, but like he wasn't totally irresponsible. He didn't waste it all. Like, okay, thanks for giving me my money back. You, you watched over it at least. But I'm not God. Look what God says. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Man, that's some heavy words. I'm like, God, that's, come on, that's a little strong. I mean, it could have been so much worse. Wicked and lazy? I mean, it's like God just beating up on this guy. Like, hey, you're evil, you're terrible. And by the way, you hit snooze too many times when you wake up in the morning, all right? You lazy guy. But here's what we have to see. Why is God coming on so hard with this person? This person's beliefs about his master impacted the way he managed his money. It's huge. There was a correlation there. And so this guy said, hey, I knew you were harsh. You're a cutthroat business guy. The last thing I want to do was lose it. So here you go. Here, it's just back. And instead of God saying, okay, fair enough. He says, well, no, 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 no. You got this all wrong. You totally misjudged my character. And now because of that, that led you to do some totally irresponsible things with what I've entrusted to you. This is showing me what's actually in your heart, which is wickedness and laziness. And what we have to be so careful about is we will sometimes 
be tempted to put things back on God. Like, God, I meant well. I'm trying to do my best, but God, here's, here's the problem. And God's not going to take that. He's like, no, 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 hold up. It's never my problem. It's never God's problem. He's like, this is your responsibility. This, this is on you. Don't you dare go trying to presuming upon what my heart and motivations are, what my character is. This is on you. And this is what we have to realize when it comes to our money. How you manage money reveals how you view God. Your current relationship with money says something about your relationship with God. Not everything, but it definitely reveals something. It gives a glimpse into your heart. And what would your current financial practices say about your view of God? If we were honest, some of us in here, the way we're managing money would say, I don't actually trust God. For some of us, it's, I don't actually believe he's a provider and he can meet my needs. For some of us in here, it's, mm, it's still mine. It's not really his. I'd go as far as to say for some of us, based on how we manage our money, we don't believe in God at all. We don't even think he exists and we have no accountability to him. We have to be careful, everybody. It's very tempting to justify yourself by the beliefs you have formulated in your own mind about yourself and your own motivations and heart, and we think we're doing just fine. And again, we've made all of the reasons to ourselves, and yet, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what your opinion is. It's God's opinion. It's his judgment. It's what he thinks about the situation. And when we're planning with all this coming up, just thinking about, you know, what we want for this series, my prayer, my hope for our church, every person who calls this place home, my hope is that that moment you stand before God, which you will, you would hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Now let's celebrate. I want that for every single person. I want you to get that kind of reception from God. That is our hope for this church. And I know when it comes to money, this is such a struggle for so many of us. Some of us in here, you have been through a divorce and it completely changed the way you thought your financial life was going to go. And you're figuring that out still. It has impacted your entire life. Some of us in here, you have had massive unexpected medical bills that are going to be going on for a long time. Some of us in here, just unexpected emergencies, things with kids. There are so many factors that can completely change your life when it comes to your money. Some of us, let's just be real, we are suffering the consequences of bad financial decisions. And we're still paying all of that off. I understand there's so much complexity to this, but the heart of our team when we were planning this series was how can we make this as helpful as we can? How can we be as practical as we possibly can be? Because sometimes all churches do is we say, you need to give more. You need to give more. And everybody's like, I'm broke. I don't have any money. Tell me how to manage the money I don't have. It's like, we just got to give people tools here. We want to help. And so we actually got connected to a couple through this process named Bob and Linda Lodick. Now, you might not know who these people are, but they're actually becoming kind of famous. And they have been on an incredible journey when it comes to their own finances and the way they view and manage money. And they actually started a ministry called Seed Time. 
And this whole ministry is to help people with resources and training and tools to help them get on a good financial trajectory and experience all the things that they've experienced. And so as we started learning about these guys, we actually got the book they wrote. And it's called Simple Money, Rich Life. And I read through this book, and I've read a lot of financial books. And Nicole and I, we do the basics for finances pretty well. We save, we give, we do all the things. But this was one of the best personal finance books I have read in a long time. It was practical, it was refreshing, it was funny, it was inspiring to see just the journey this couple has been on, and it gave so many tools that I even haven't even considered my own financial life. It was amazing. So after I read the book, we went ahead and just bought a whole box of them for the church. We said, we want to just get this in as many people's hands as we possibly can. Now hear me. They ain't free. I'm not just giving them to you. All right? I heard somebody clapping. No. You need to have some skin in this game. And so we said, nope, you just pay what we paid. And we had all these boxing lobbies. Well, guess what, church? Every single book sold out after the first service. Every single one's gone. So 9 a.m., how dare you leave all the 1040? This is what you get for sleeping in, everybody. This is what you get. So every single book got sold out last service. So that just shows you just the interest people had. And we're so great about that. But again, well, you can just jump on Amazon, jump anywhere. I really, really want to encourage you to check this book out. But after we read the book, we're like, okay, we, how do we help people? So we reached out to Seed Time. We said, can you guys do anything to give us ideas about how we can help a whole church? like really get to another level when it comes to their finances and just make that leap. And so they said, oh, we'd love to talk to you. Let's connect. And so we got the Zoom call set up. And I'm sitting here waiting for the Zoom call to start, and this person jumps in. I'm thinking I'm just going to get a rep. Well, guess who came on the Zoom call? Bob, like the founder of the whole thing. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Don't you have like the world to change or something? Why are you talking to some random peon like me? And he was just the coolest most refreshing down-to-earth guy I've talked to in a long time. And he's just like, Brian, we just love to help people get free. And if I ever have margin in my calendar to talk to different people, I love to help them. And he was just giving so many great ideas. We just hit it off. It was so fun. And he talked about, he's like, yeah, we have this book, Brian, but we, ha we have a course too that can just help move people on this journey. And so I checked this course out. It's called True Financial Freedom. And it's just an on-demand six-session thing where they walk you through everything from overcoming debt to budgeting to investing to long-term planning to even thinking about your own generosity and what that looks like. They cover all of it. And I went through the whole course. And again, Nicole and I would say do pretty well with managing our money, but it was so helpful. I loved the tools. And so I went back to Bob. I said, Bob, this is good stuff, man. You're pretty good at what you do. And I said, how can I get as many people through this course as possible just to help them? How can we do this? And he said, well, how about we just make it much easier? And so church, Bob Loddick, the owner of Sea Time, a famous guy, just for our church, has a special 40% discount code just for you. If you go to this website, seedtime.com slash TFF for true financial freedom, you use the code, the code NHILLS just for our church, you get 40% off right there. You're all set. It's right there waiting for you. It's all for you. I see a lot of cameras taking pictures, right? You should be doing that. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. It was so cool for him to do this. And um, what's cool about this, you jump on. You can start this course today. You go at your own pace. It has all the tools. And by the end, you are going to be moving in a totally different direction financially. But I'll tell you this. This code is only available during this series, which is only happening for two weeks. And it's disappearing after that. And I'm not going to make any special requests of Bob or Linda or anything because this is out of their own generosity. And I know what some of you guys might be thinking. Well, Brian, you don't have famous friends. These people didn't talk to you. You're just blowing smoke, making stuff up. 
Well, what's kind of cool is actually Bob and Linda wanted to do a little something just for our church. I wanted you to check this out. Hey, Northern Hills, we are Bob and Linda Lodic, and you guys have an awesome pastor. Just in case you didn't know, I got to spend some time with Pastor Brian, and we were just nerding out about money and stewardship <laughs> and financial freedom and all this stuff. And I'm just so excited that you guys are diving into these principles because this changed our life in so many ways. Absolutely. And it even changed my life. And I did not grow up with a lot of interest or education around this subject. So uh, if that's you, don't be afraid of this. Actually go into it expecting God to reveal some yeah. new things to you. Because I think we do a great job of talking to people like me who... I think we do too. <laughs> I think we do. And we make it fun. Don't so you, Exactly. So yeah. anyway, yeah, dive in, go deep, and be expectant of what God can do in your uh -huh. financial life because he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all you can ask, think, or imagine in your financial life. Yeah. And that's what we're expecting. That's what we're praying for for you. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I hope you enjoy the book if you uh, get a copy of that. And I hope you enjoy the course if you join us in that course. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're really excited about what he's doing in your financial life. So just want to say hi and encourage you in that. And we'll see you soon. Oh, come on, Northern Hills. We got famous people saying, what's up? That's pretty cool. That's pretty nice of them. Now hear me. Bob and Linda do not need to be doing this. Trust me, they are way past the point of needing to sell their stuff. Okay, they are living in a totally different stratosphere. They got a lot going on. And their heart is, we just want to see one more person get free when it comes to their finances and have the experience that they've had. And that is the heart of this church too. Like, I just want to see people break through some of the bondages and barriers that have come with your finances. And I know this, everybody. You need more than a sermon. You're all going to forget this sermon tomorrow. You will, okay? I work very hard these. I forget my sermons. I don't even know what I preached on last week. I have no idea what we were talking about, okay? I forget this stuff too. You need more than a sermon. You need to start taking steps. You need to start actually applying some stuff. And the whole application of this sermon is get the book. Take the course. Take some responsibility for your financial life because you are accountable. God is taking account. He's entrusted his money to us to manage well and to be good stewards of. That's what we're called to. So between the book and the course, you're spending well under 100 bucks. And I'm telling you, this could be the best money you have spent in a long time investing in yourself, in your own financial life. And wherever you're at, some of you guys, you got massive debt. You're trying to figure out payments. This will help you. Some of you guys, your budget system is just kind of a mess or you don't have one. This will clean it up. Maybe you're very savvy. Like, you know what you're doing. I'm telling you, their story, their principles and systems will challenge you to go to a whole nother level in the way you view and manage your money. It will change your life. So let me put this up one more time, this website, seedtime.com slash TFF. Use the code NHILLS. You got two weeks to do this. You go at your own pace. It's all for you. Take advantage of it, and it's going to go away. But please, please jump on this, guys. But again, I want you to hear the heart. I want you to know the motivation behind this. Jesus says this in Luke 16, starting in verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Now, if there is nothing after this life, we're all just going to die and it's going to be over. Who cares? 
Do whatever you want. You're not accountable to anybody. Buy the boat. It doesn't matter if you can afford it or not. Steal a boat. Do whatever you want. It's, it doesn't matter. Leave your debt to your kids. Like, truly, there's... Why care? Why care? There's no point. But if there's more to this life, if there's even something after this, Jesus says, and there is, there's actually true riches in store. Jesus says, this worldly wealth, this is small potatoes. This is nothing compared to what I have planned. And this life is so short, everybody. It, it's like that. There is a reality in existence beyond this that is going to go into eternity. And the challenge we have here is how we manage this life will have an impact on that next life. It's going to influence it. It matters how you manage your money. It really, really matters. And I don't want anybody to mishear me here. Your salvation, what God has for you, totally free. Jesus paid all of your debt. You are free and clear in Christ. That's the amazing thing. That was all nailed to the cross. He defeated sin and death for you. Today, you can put your faith in Jesus and walk totally free. You will have all of the wealth you could possibly imagine in him. But, again, God is entrusting us with things in this life. And I just want us to feel the weight of that responsibility. It is a high calling that God would allow us to be trusted with some of his things for his purposes and his glory. And I'm telling you, church, if we will just receive the gift of God's grace in Jesus, but also step forward into his principles and his practices and his management with money, I really believe we together will be able to experience all of the blessings, not just in this life, but in the life to come. Do you receive this? In Jesus' name, will you pray with me? Lord, Thank you so much that first off, you are so generous towards us and you prove that in Jesus, that you gave everything on our behalf. You are so generous, God. You are so good and you are so rich in your kindness and your provision in our lives. And Lord, we just take a moment and we, and we just want to say we repent. We are sorry because all of us have fallen short of managing our money, let alone our whole lives well. We, we mess this thing up so often. But I know, Lord, your grace is sufficient. And you are so good. And you make a way. And so I pray for real freedom in people's lives in our church, Lord. I want the shackles to be broken. I want people to be debt-free. I want people to be able to save. Lord, we want to leave a financial legacy for the generations to come. We want to experience this, God. And I know, Lord, you don't call every single one of us to be massively wealthy. But you do call every single one of us to good stewardship. And I want all of us to see the miracles of your provision and your power when it comes to our finances. So I pray that over our church right now. Give us the courage and the discipline to take the steps, whether it be reading the book, taking the course, doing what we need to do to get our financial house in order, Lord. And we pray that this would ultimately be all for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Let me hear it, second service. Amen. Church, thank you so much for being here today. We're going to close even right now. You're getting out early today. Don't get used to this. I know I usually go long, so you're welcome. But please, order that book. Seriously, order the book. Take the course. Start it. And in the next two weeks, I really believe we are going to help people get to a totally different place when it comes to their finances. So commit to this thing. If you're new here, we would love to have you stop by the kiosk on your way out. We have a free gift for you just for being here. 
If you've got any questions, we'd love to answer them. There's a QR code on the back of the seats. If you want to scan that, see what events are happening in the church, there's a link in the chat for everybody online. Please take advantage of that. Also, we have prayer every single week right at the front of this stage. We'll have a whole team available. If you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray with you. Believe God's going to work powerfully. Church, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And we will see you next Sunday for part two of Under New Management. Have a great one.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.